What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at SIDcast.fireside.com. .fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. of SID cast guys it is finally now picking up my recording on my microphone which is nice um don't know what's going on with my computer here lately it's been doing that quite a bit we spoke with somebody uh two days ago and um it just it, it worked in the end but there was some sort of like playback and echo it just keeps being one thing right after the other with this uh either it being a Zencaster or it be my microphone or my computer so uh we will weather the storm together, but this week uh, we do sound pretty great, and we are with Rob Carolla uh, of the, uh, well, Rob's Between Jobs right now, which is completely fine, but if you remember, if you kind of know his name a little bit, it's because he was Cosida president. Uh, my first ever convention was when Andy Seeley was rotating out, and Rob was rotating in down in Orlando um, two years ago, so I uh, got to see him. Up there on stage, uh, worked with the college football a little bit um, about what's coming up with the 150th season. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, UConn grad, so we will uh, discuss about UConn leaving the American and joining the Big East, um, as well as many, many other things. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, we talked a little bit about aligning family goals a little bit. Um, and finding something to do for yourself, I mean, doing things outside of sport and outside of sports information uh, to keep you happy. Um, and we'll especially talk about that next week, too. It's just, it's just fascinating to me um, how some people will hold themselves back and not really pursue things that either A, sound interesting to them or B, you know, they want to try. I, I will say this next week on our pod. I won't say who yet because I think a lot of you will really enjoy it. And it'll be a nice little surprise. Um I think the quote is, uh, do something that scares you every day. And we'll talk about that a little bit today and next week. Um, kind of go hand in hand, these two. So really, really excited for these. Uh, Rob worked with several conference offices in addition to being at UConn and undergrad, um, especially with the creation of the CUSA. Uh, I think as they say that on um, whatever that podcast is. Podcast ain't play nobody. Uh, conference USA, for those of you who are like, what is he talking about? He's also worked in the Big East office back in the day when they had uh, Syracuse, Miami, Boston College, all of them uh, all wrapped together. Um, probably the great days of the Big East. So um, let's see what else is going on. Not a whole lot. I mean, it is damn hot out. And be careful this weekend. I know we have a heat wave coming, uh, especially here in the Midwest. I know a lot of storms are starting to kick up. Um, so just be careful. We have uh, media day season is here. Uh, whether you like it or not, that means we are very, 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 very close <laughs> to having football starting back up and many other fall sports. So uh, summer's quickly winding down. Um, enjoy it while you can. Do some things that you've wanted to do, as I mentioned earlier. Um, just make sure that you uh, finish strong. So I won't ramble on too much longer, guys. Uh, we will start off today with episode number 120. 
eight of SID cast, I believe, with uh, Rob Carolla, um, and por- former Cosider president, and his very first set of sports information right here on SID. Uh, my first taste of sports information was an undergraduate student at the University of Connecticut. Um, talk about how things have kind of gone full circle. Uh, my first boss in this profession was Barb Koval, who is now mm-hmm. on staff for COSIDA. At the time, she was working for UConn as the women's basketball contact and, uh, and some other duties. And she um, she helped me get started in this profession. So the first time was when I met her my freshman year of college, when I had a uh, a friend in my dorm who was a student athletic trainer, and he told me that I should go work uh-huh. in athletic communications. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't even know the profession existed. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. I came back in the fall and, you know, the rest is history. I worked for three years as an undergrad and uh, it was, um, you know, it was great. Did every sport you could think of and, uh, you know, ended up becoming one of their senior student workers with a lot of responsibility. So uh, definitely have uh, Barb and Tim Tolican, who was a longtime SID at UConn, to thank for kind of getting me started in this profession. Uh, what was kind of your sport background like growing up? I mean, what did you want to be? Did you want to work in sport or was this completely out of the blue for you? You know, I mean, I, baseball was my first love as a kid. Um, but the funny thing was I had a father who wasn't really into sports. So I ended up, um, I ended up just, you know, loving baseball. And then when I went to college, like I said, I didn't know this existed. So I didn't even know that I could work in sports and I've always been fascinated by numbers and different things. So once I got into it um, and college really helped me kind of become more outgoing, you know, as you go through that development as a, a, you know, going from an 18 year old to a 22 year old um, that helped me get started and uh, you know, kind of just once I figured out this profession existed, I said, this is definitely for me. Yeah, I'm going to ask you kind of a hard-hitting question here that we asked uh, Katie Mucci, who was on the show last week. Um, you you said that you didn't even know this profession existed, and this is something that I have asked other people uh, on the show. Uh, how do you think, or what do you think is the best way we can educate undergrads or maybe even high school students about this profession? Well, I just think constantly uh, speaking to them about what we do. I, I don't think it's one of these professions where you can – you know, do a few sentences and email it out to people or, Mm -hmm. you know, make one comment and they'll kind of get what people do. I mean, that was one thing as during my term as COSADA president, obviously always knew how talented the people in our profession were, but you get exposed to so many different people when you're on the board for COSADA that um, it's one of these things where, you know, you just appreciate it even more. So um, I've gone here locally. I live in Dallas. Uh, I've spoken at SMU and TCU, for example, to their sports communications classes or sports management classes, just to educate them on how vital the communications person or SID is to um, to the athletic department, the conference, or whoever they work for. I think uh, I was, where was I? This is going to sound weird. I was out, I think I was at a funeral and my uncle asked me, because um, I had just gotten my GA job, and he asked me, uh, so what is it that you do? And I was like, uh, public relations for sport. And he said, okay, what's public relations? <laughs> so I, I think it's like kind of what you mentioned. There's not like one word or phrase. And I said this last week with Katie. It's it's about kind of getting out in your university or getting in front of even your student athletes, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's why I think, too, is like I said, there's not one definition for it because it has so many titles. Think about mm -hmm. it. You know, we have people in our membership for COSADA that are communications, public relations, media relations, sports information, you know, strategic communications, all these different titles. So it's very hard to say it's just one thing. Uh, you know, when I was in college, because um, my mother asked me the same yeah. question, you know, what is this yeah. you're doing? You know, and, um, I've, you know, the one year, the basketball preview, those national Athlon type magazines that come out every year, Lindy's, those type of things. One of the magazines had a letter from the editor that basically explained what the SID did. And it was a thank you to the SIDs that helped him put the magazine together. So I took that one page and showed it to my mother and said, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, outlined very well. And, you know, that really um, kind of clarified it a little bit more for her. But she still thinks sometimes that all I do is just, you know, 10 games. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they, they think uh, I tweet a lot. Um, that, that's one of the things. Uh, what, what was kind of what surprised you about the profession when you first started? I mean, you didn't know what it was, and all of a sudden you're thrusted into this position with UConn. You know, I, I think um, it's so much more than just statistics or writing. Um, you know, I think the importance of the relationships, even back when I started as a student, and it's still the same way today, is just, you know, the relationships you build with your coaches or your student athletes, your administrators, um, just how important that is, you know, and that's um, – something that to this day I still preach to, to students, you know, I, I sound old when I say it, but, you know, get out from behind your computer, from behind your phone, you know, have lunch with somebody, have uh, a drink with somebody mm -hmm. or whatever. And, you know, to me, that really can go a long way in building the relationship that will help you do your job. I, I want to ask you one question, just kind of off the wall here. UConn's going back to the Big East. How do you feel about it? I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 challenging because, you know, they need to find a home for football. But when I was there, they were – back then was 1AA and now FCS football. They moved up when they were in the old Big East. And it was the right move at the time, but it's been, it's been challenging for them since. So um, I know that many of my friends who I went to college with, who I still keep in touch with, were texting me uh -huh. when that news came about because they were pretty excited about it. And, uh, you know, I think that basketball is their premier sport. And, you know, hopefully that will help lift up all the other sports at the school. Just for pure speculations purposes, what's your uh, ideal football home for UConn? You know, I don't know. I mean, it'd be ideal if there was an East Coast football conference that really, you know, encompassed the Northeast. But that just doesn't exist anymore. So, unfortunately, I don't know if there is an ideal home. I do believe mm -hmm. that. You know, the conferences as you see them now are, are may not necessarily end up being that way 20 years from now. So you just, you know, I used to tell my friends uh, that asked about football because I was in the sports business. I would tell them, hey, you just need to build your program up as much as possible. And then if something comes up down the line, then UConn will be in a good position. Mm -hmm. So it was time for you to leave UConn. I mean, you were graduating. What were, how were you evaluating your options? Uh, what was life like for you at that time? You know, um, it was scary. <laughs> you know, as a student, I graduated. I didn't have a job. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually ended up moving home with my mother for a month, um, which really wasn't a great option because she had kind of moved on. Uh, she was a single mom and, you know, moved on to whatever was next for her. But, um, 
you know, I was fortunate. I had already interviewed for an internship at the Big East Conference office. Mm -hmm. They had a postgraduate intern position, and I had interviewed for that and um, was just kind of waiting to hear. And about a month or so afterwards, I heard. And I was still applying for jobs, as anybody would, but uh, that was one that, you know, really piqued my interest. And I thought I had a good chance at it. So, but there's still that nervousness when you first get out into the workforce. Right, yeah. Um, what, was there any, have you been to New York before? I mean, was there any sort of culture shock for you at all? As there would be for me? No, I mean, at the time, their office was in Providence, oh, Rhode Island. Right. So it wasn't that far okay. from UConn. Um, you know, and, and so it was only an hour away. But I grew up in New Jersey. So Good. most of, many other events are in New York. Yeah. So, you know, I was familiar with that whole corridor of, of you know, places they would be. Uh, I know this is kind of an obvious question here, but uh, it seems to be everybody has answered it differently. Uh, what was different for you working in a in a school versus working in a conference like that? You know, I think the the biggest change is just managing all the different personalities, all the different schools. You know, everyone has their own agenda, um, and rightfully so. But trying to get mm-hmm. them to kind of row in the, the same direction, so you know everybody can rise or benefit from, you know, the conference doing well. You know, I've worked in three different conference offices over my career. And one of the challenges is always trying to remind people that, you know, it's, it's good for your school. You know, if you're the university of Texas, it's good when Oklahoma wins their bowl game Mm -hmm. because, you know, that just helps the prominence of your conference. And if UConn does well, that helps, you know, bring up, uh, you know, St. John's or Seton Hall, whoever it may be. Yeah. Uh, you've benefited from being on both sides of the communications office. Actually, you were in a school and then, like I mentioned, you're in a conference. So how was that experience or how is that, or what are some things you took away, helped you benefited you through the rest of your professional career? As far as being in a conference versus a school or being in both. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's just it's just like any other job. I think it's a different um, different situation. Even though I said I was in three different conference offices, each one of the scenarios was different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I left and worked at Conference USA back when they were first getting started, the first year of the conference, and that was exciting because you were doing everything from scratch. It was also challenging because you were doing everything yeah, from scratch. <laughs> you know, you were. Um, I mean, even the littlest things, like you know, you sit down and you say, "Okay, what kind of records are we going to keep?" You know, because there, there was no records um, and things like that. So, um, you know, there's definitely different challenges. But at the end of the day, we're all communications people that are trying to tell the best stories about the student athletes or the teams or the coaches. And, you know, I think it, it really, um, you know, it, it, I, I'm a firm believer you can go from anywhere you know, to a different place and be successful, you know, just because you've been at say a division three school doesn't mean you can't work at division one yeah. or a division one conference office, you know, or, or anywhere the NCA office for that matter. Um, you know, the, the roots of our business are very similar at all places. And if you do a good job, wherever you are, you're going to do a good job, even on the big stage. I like what you mentioned there about being, I mean, kind of you're, you're, pretty much qualified for all positions if you do a great job, like you mentioned, but it seems to me like some SIDs as well as hiring like PR or maybe some other higher level professionals or whatever, um, get stuck in the mindset that you have have to have worked five, 10 years of FBS experience in order to get this job. So, I mean, 
what would you say the SIDs who are stuck thinking that, who might be looking at a job this summer and going, well, I don't qualify for that? Well, first thing I always would tell, I always tell people is don't ever think mm -hmm. that, you know, you never know who's going to apply for that job, first of all. So if you're interested in a position, you should apply for it. And then second thing, the most probably even more important is to utilize your network. You know, Cosada, for example, is great because it's, we have 3000 members in the organization and, you know, you get to meet people at convention or, um, you know, hosting NCAA events. You know, I used to, ho I've hosted a lot of NCAA basketball in my career and, uh, you know, we, we would use SIDs from all divisions, you know, it didn't matter where you were from as volunteers, as part of our media coordination team. So, um, utilize those people, you know, to put in a good word for you. You know, I, I, I found that as I went through the board rotation for Cosida, I ended up getting a lot more phone calls from people who were asking me like, Hey, I've got this opening. Mm -hmm. Do you know anyone? You know, so, um, you know, be sure to be, um, you know, I know sometimes you have to tread lightly if you if your boss may not want to know that you're looking around, but everybody's hoping to better themselves professionally. So, you know, don't be afraid to tell those close to you in your network that, uh, you know, hey, if my name comes up, I may be interested. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, you mentioned something about the Conference USA. You were a part of it when it was just getting started. Um, I'm sure other people have been in situations where the school has moved conferences. It seems like I was at Division Two for the last three years. Um a lot of moving around there. So uh, what was it like for you guys? I know you kind of had to ask yourself the question, like what records are we going to keep? But what does that process of forming something new, like a conference, look like on the inside? Well, I mean, it's exciting. You know, that was one of the reasons why I signed on because, you know, it was all new staff. So mm -hmm. everybody's coming on board. There's no preconceived notions about anything. Um, you know, granted some schools came from one league and some from another, and then we had a couple that came from other places, but you know, it was, um, a lot of work to get it started, but you know, once you kind of started getting it rolling, it was really exciting to see everything come to fruition. And yeah. that's kind of the part that I guess there was a real sense of, um, accomplishment with a lot of those things that we did at first. And I was only there for just under two years, but, um, you know, you still kept in touch with people. And I think the schools really were excited about the opportunity. And that's what I found during my conference life is that when you bring in a new school, they're just ex so excited to be part of your part of your family, mm -hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, I look at conferences, it's it's one big family. You know, we're all trying to make each other better and elevate the prominence of your conference. You, so you're in the conference office for, for a while now, Big East Conference USA or wherever you moved on to next. So um, was that kind of your goal or kind of your aim during that time? I mean, what was your career ambition or still is your career ambition in this profession? Yeah, no, it, it wasn't necessarily what I was aiming for, per se. I had mm -hmm. some unique opportunities present themselves when I went back. I went after Conference USA, I went back to the Big East as a full-time staff member. And it was a great opportunity to really be involved with their football, you know, as their day-to-day -day media contact and uh you know that was kind of back in the day when they were really starting to get it rolling Miami was really good Donovan McNabb was in the league you know Michael Vick player Larry Fitzgerald players like that so there was a lot of excitement around yeah. Big East football and um and then when I left there to go to the Big 12 uh you know it was an opportunity to do men's basketball which was a great you know obviously University of Kansas and schools like that involved but uh, I had more autonomy there with men's basketball and to be involved in some different things that they were doing so um, it just happened to work out that way. Um, you know, there have been times over the years where I've 
either looked at or talked to people about other jobs that were either on campus or, um, you know, uh, you know, in other places, national office, things like that. And, you know, it just wasn't the fit at the time per se, but, um, you know, I mean, I remember when I, right before I took the Conference USA job, I was at the COSADA convention in Denver and I uh, had a discussion with the University of Tennessee and was actually offered a GA position for their working in their women's athletics department for uh, Debbie Jennings and her staff. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of felt like I was going to get the Conference USA job. So I was kind of stalling a little yeah. bit, to be perfectly <laughs> blunt, uh, because, like I said, I didn't have the opportunity to really move back home. So for me, the full-time job with the full-time salary was a little more appealing than getting, you know, living two more years basically as a student. So um, I like how you mentioned the fit part. And how did you judge that for yourself? And how do you think other people should kind of retrospectively kind of look at themselves and say, like, am I really fit for this position or am I just saying yes to say yes? I think that's important, you know, being you, everybody knows themselves the best and, you know, you can look at a job and you can tell if it's a fit, you know, um, and, and, you know, when you, from the point you really apply for it, you submit your resume. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, whether it's a good fit. I mean, I've been fortunate. Most of the jobs that I've applied for are probably, I'd say most of them, not all of them, but most of them that I've sent in a resume for, I've been like, if I get offered this position, I'm going to take it. And, you know, when, when it gets to the point, but then there's been a couple where, I mean, I, I have been on interviews where I have been flown in for a job and, you know, I'm at the airport and I'll, you know, uh, no sitting in the airport, like, yeah, you know what, if I appreciate the opportunity, but it just wasn't the fit for me. So if they call me, I know that I'm going to say, yeah, you know, I appreciate it. And I've had, I've had things where I've actually gotten home and, and called the up and said, Hey, you know, I, I think I'm going to, rescind you know my application and and they appreciate that because it's you got to have a fit both right yeah you know you don't want to hire somebody bring them in and you know then a month into it they're like uh yeah i'm not sure if this is where i want to be it seems nowadays people are afraid to say no and i think that they might get you know put into an awkward spot right just because that they're afraid to say no And, and it's not because you're being rude or anything it's because you're doing what's best for yourself yeah, I think that's of the utmost importance. You know, in, in our business, there's no perfect time to leave where you are for another mm-hmm. job. But you absolutely have to worry about yourself first. If you have a family, if you have, you know, financial concerns, professional concerns, whatever it may be, you have to focus on that first. And, um, you know, if that happens, I mean, I left for the Big East in October. Yeah, You know, I mean, that's not the greatest no. time of year to do it, especially when you're in the middle of football, getting basketball started, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, anybody you work for that's been in this profession long enough is going to get that. Uh, same thing with where you're going. You know, if they don't get that, it's like I've told people, I've been fortunate in many of my positions to have postgraduate full-time internship positions, and they're always looking to me for advice. And one of the things I always tell them is, you know, feel it out when you start. Like, if you need that extra week, if they say, hey, I want you to start on August 1st, but it's heck, I really need to start on August 10th. Anybody worth working for is not going to say, no, we're not hiring you uh-huh. over 10 days. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. And I also think it's important, you know, as you're applying for these jobs, you know, within reason, but also explain to people as you get into it, if you get an offer and it's not quite what you want. You know, I've had people, especially in the last two or three years, come to me and say, hey, I've got this open position. 
and I need this kind of person and it pays how much, you know, I, I always ask how much it pays because at the end of the day, people need yeah. to be able to live. <laughs> and if, if they tell me they want X, Y, and Z and, Oh, I'm only paying $35,000 a year and you're in a major city and you want a higher level person. I'm like, you're not getting that person mm-hmm. for that salary. You know, I think it's important for us as, especially those who have been in the business a while, you know, we can't change the world in a day, but anytime we can advocate for higher, higher salaries for our professionals in our business, I think we should. Yeah. I think it's kind of uh, one, a touchy subject. I like how somebody, I can't remember the name. Somebody went in one of the Facebook groups and uh, did a survey of, of all the salaries and everything. And I think um, quite a touchy subject. And it's something that, especially, and I'll say this with my parents, it's kind of like, you know, you're not making a lot of money, Dave. And even right now, I mean, I'm, I'm still lowest man on the totem pole, but but still, you know, um, how do you think we can advocate for better salaries? Well, it's, a, you know, a couple things like number one, what I said earlier, I mean, I've had a higher level people who've been around even longer than I have who've told me they've mm-hmm. had conversations with athletic directors where they've said, I'm looking for this person to head up this or whatever it may be. And, you uh-huh. know kind of the same analogy I gave earlier. They were like, well, we're paying $50,000 a year. And you're like, and he told me, I told that AD, this was almost verbatim. I'm quoting. He's like, I told that AD, you're not getting that person for $50,000 a year. Uh You know? Um, And so, you know, it's incremental. Obviously I'm not going to say that about an entry level position. Right. uh, Or I'm not going to say that to advocate for if you were my intern and it was, you know, uh, you know, you have to work to earn that salary. Uh, you know, you can't get it right out of school, but, um, you know, I, I think every opportunity, we, we, it's important to also advocate in the sense of, you know, here's what, here's why that salary needs to be more. Here are all the things that person is doing. You know, you think about from the time I started in this profession to now, how many more things. When I started, there was no social media. You know, when I first got back to the Big East, my boss put a stack of papers on my desk and said, get us a website. We didn't even have a website. Uh-huh. You know, so it's important to point that out on a positive sense. You know, I, I, I've been on many of the same Facebook groups you've seen, and we need to continue to be positive in those, you know, advocate in a positive way for those in our profession. Because getting on, I know, I mean, hey, it's life. We get frustrated at times, but I don't think it does anyone any good to get on a Facebook page and complain about your coach, your work conditions. I mean, that's just not going to do you any good. Yeah. It's kind of hindering you a little bit. Kind of, I think you'll burn out a little bit sooner if you keep thinking like that too. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's important to, you know, you do a good, a good job. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you just got to continue doing that. And if you're in a situation where um, you're not appreciated, then it's time mm-hmm. to move time on, to go. you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, and it's scary. I mean, I'm, I'm between positions right now. I'm doing some stuff on the side here and there, but it's, you know, it's, it's a massive unknown, yeah. you know, but it's something that you have to stay positive about and look at the positive things. I mean, I have two young boys and I'm getting to spend some extra time with them <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, I can never get mm-hmm. that back. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I want to move, you, you talk a lot about football here a little bit. Um, CFP, CFB, right? 150 this year? Oh, yeah, because, yes. you know, yeah, because I've been working on this project, Rob, 
for our social media. And by God, I hope it does well <laughs> because I've been working really hard to get some info since 1887. I have dug so much. I'm really excited to get started tonight. But um, got a new spot. I mean, it was new a couple of years ago for you, maybe even last year when you were co-signed or two years ago when you were co-signed president. So um, how did you get to, is it the college football foundation? Is that where you were ended up? No, it's actually okay. a separate entity. Um, I was working on that for about a year and a half. And um, what happened was uh, they are in their house. It was started by the NCA and the college football playoff. They were the ones to initially mm-hmm. provide the funding. And uh, that initiative came about, in anticipation of the upcoming season, which will be the 150th right. for college football. So we worked on that for about a year and a half um, and then, you know, got everything in place for the schools and the conferences to kind of tell their stories with a special toolkit and all that kind of stuff. And I'm hopeful that, you know, I'm not working on it anymore, but I'm hopeful that that will, uh, you know, do well. I've seen a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on social media about it. So that's great. Uh, you know, telling all the positive stories about the sport. I think it, it gets oh, yeah. a negative pub you know, for some of the, you know, injury issues and behavioral issues, things like that. But there's so many great stories about, you know, the kids who graduate first want to graduate from college or, um, you know, different things like that. So I think to tell those stories from the university perspective is, is, is a great way to do it. And ESPN is fully on board with the celebration. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a ton of content uh, separate of what we were doing as a staff when I was on board there. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's it'll be exciting once the season gets started oh yeah super excited for it um one of the fascinating stories that i found uh i think everybody else is gonna like this too 1945 you know we were in the middle of you know a war uh we had a couple of uh, all americans get granted a 60-day leave came back got indiana's one and only undefeated season and got our first ever Big Ten championship and then had to go back overseas and one of these guys stormed Omaha Beach the year before so like yeah football was used a lot different back then is kind of the sense kind of the sense that i've been getting well and it puts it puts into perspective what we do you know at the end of the day i mean you tell that story i mean the guy went to normandy and and, you know Mm -hmm. i mean that was i can't even fathom something like that and and i always tell people Mm -hmm. too you know you asked earlier kind of about promoting ourselves and all that kind of stuff i mean one of the things i think it's really important to remember is at the end of the day we work in sports you know it's supposed to be fun and, you know, enjoy it as much as you can. You know, if you have families, involve them on your campuses, involve your kids coming to the softball games or the soccer games, you know. Um, and that that was really a game changer for me um, was, you know, when I had children to be like, you know, it didn't matter how frustrated you were or anything. You came home and it was just daddy was home. And that was the, you know, yeah. it didn't matter how bad your day was. And that really helped kind of put things in perspective. One great quote I've got from this show, and I kicking myself for not being able to remember the guy's name, but he said that um, doctors don't go home and read medical journals. SIDs go home, we watch baseball or football, you know, and, and we're unable to turn that switch off. I mean, uh, what's been kind of the evolution like for you? Because for me, Last two years ago, I couldn't turn it off. So what's it been like for you being able to just put work where work is and be present in the moment? Yeah, I think it's it's hard. I mean, you know, let's face it. You got you got the information always in your hand, mm-hmm. you know, with your phone. So that makes it challenging. But I always try to find a week, a year where I can just completely disconnect. Mm-hmm. 
Like, don't take my laptop. Don't take your laptop to the beach. You know, mm. um, don't, you know, turn off the forwarding of your emails to your cell phone. You know, I've made a concerted effort the last couple of years to try to not email coworkers at night yeah. if I don't have to. I might keep it in my outbox ready to hit send <laughs> yeah. when I get in the next morning. But, you know, I used to tell my interns, like, when, I, when my baby, my, my kids were born and they were babies, I would say, hey, I'm going to catch up on emails at night when they're doing feedings or whatever. And um, I don't expect you to respond. You know, <laughs> I wanted them to know that it's okay. You don't have to impress the boss and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it is a challenge, too, because, you know, I would get the question sometimes. People would ask what your hobbies are. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is our jobs are a lot of other people's hobbies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, so there um, it's, it's challenging to find that thing that, you know, can, can get you away. But I, I really, really think it's important to disconnect, to get away from it for a little while. Um, you know, but when you're on, especially when you're at a university on a campus or um, at a conference office, that, that can be, you have to make the concerted effort. That's for sure. I like how you kind of mentioned the stuff you have to find to get away. Cause that was something that was big for me. And it was big for a lot of people who are kind of in my inner circle there for a little while um, to find things not sport related. I mean, you can have hobbies in sport, right? I mean, it's completely fine. I, I do a little bit. I mean, you can't see it or you can see it, but people can't see it. I, I like football helmets. So I got this Lamar Jackson signed football helmet. So that's what I do. I custom make them. And then I've also got ones. I'm a big horror movie guy. I mean, it was incredibly important to me and my family that I be there for them as opposed to sucked up in work. Because when I got robbed two years ago, when I got results at 1030 at night, I was writing the recap at 11, 1130, putting the stats yeah. and everything. So um, find something. Well, and I used, to, I used to do things when I was at conference office, I would, um, if I had things to do at night, I would, I would do it like on a Saturday night after basketball Saturday, I would do all my work on a Saturday mm-hmm. night. I would stay up some nights till one in the morning doing everything I needed to have done so that on Sunday when my kids were awake, I could yeah, do things yeah. with them, you know, and it's still hard because my, my nine-year-old will tell me like, you're on your device more than I am, you know, because I limit their uh, device <laughs> usage. But, um, you know, it's, that's, that's when it really kind of puts mm-hmm. it in perspective. Like when, when you're, nine-year-old tells you to get off your phone you're like okay yeah, yeah really you're probably you're in trouble um i want to kind of go back to something that you mentioned about CF, cfb 150 um you mentioned the toolkit and you mentioned things that you kind of gave to the schools to kind of promote this next season of football which is going to sound really amazing and i'm super excited to spend my first ever football season um with a such a special year it feels like so uh what, what were some things you guys had prepared i mean uh what did the inner workings le- look like well we you know we had limited um there was only mm-hmm. four of us on staff and we had limited funding so we wanted to put something together that would be easy for the schools to use to tell their own stories because we can't get out there at the time we're like we Everybody, can't get out yeah. there and tell every story um so the idea was to put something together that whether you're the University of Alabama or whether you're the smallest Division three school, you can find something in there to to use for the anniversary celebration. You know, because we know there's a lot of small shops, one man shops that have things and stuff like that that have, have 
you know, limits exactly, on what yeah. they can do. So, you know, the idea is to try to make it as turnkey as possible. And, you know, that's even more important because I said that we had four people working on it. Now there's only two people working on it, you know, because of uh-huh. some of the funding challenges. So, you know, um, it's even more important that it's more turnkey. What were, what are some things that you can think of just off the top of your head for maybe a smaller SID, like you mentioned, a one person shop or two person shop that maybe they can do um, just hands on with, with something like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know there was there was uh, graphic templates in there that they could use for social media, yeah. you know, switch out the photos, use their photos, tell it put a quote in there for your story, that kind of thing, if you're touting a particular coach or student athlete. So, I mean, that's one that's that's really easy for people to, to, to use. Um, obviously, the logo was the biggest thing we did, but it's, um, it you know, it, just trying to see what works for you. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, I think other stuff we, uh, I'm pretty sure at the time of this recording, stuff will be out either tonight or tomorrow. But what we did, um, and I kind of alluded to earlier a little bit, I'm super proud of and really excited for. Uh, went all the way back through our photo archives and everything. Um, f- found what scanned stories. I found a little NBC clip from like 1949, 50, something like that. Um, got all those little snippets together and we just made a big long Twitter thread. And that's going to be how we tell our story. And off the top of my head, I can think um, last year when I was with USI and we had just celebrated something like 30 years of the GLVC. Uh, they did kind of like little feature stories on different teams from different, from obviously mm-hmm. different schools. I mean, something little, you know, just to get something out there. Sure. Yeah. Everybody has something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I remember, um, I can't remember which schools SID sent this to me, but Amherst and, and Williams up in Massachusetts play. It's a huge rivalry. Mm-hmm. And he sent me the audio clip from a game. I think it was back in the nineties where like, it was an unbelievable comeback and it was, Student radio was the only outlet doing it at uh-huh. the time. And these two kids went absolutely berserk over the comeback. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, completely unprofessional, but the raw emotion was just great, mm-hmm. you know. And apparently the three people involved in the broadcast went on to like one guy was, I think, on the stock market or worked in Wall Street. Another guy works for the NHL. Another guy works for NBC. Like they, they all went into really successful careers. So like even something as small as that can be a thing you could talk about because the, I'm telling you, if they put the audio out, it's, it'll it'll go viral because it's just it's it's pretty humorous. Yeah, I think a lot of these uh, video stuff is going to be fascinating. We've kind of looked at Tennessee a little bit and seen what they had um, as far as some of the the older footage or kind of like what you said. Really, really nervous because uh, I went to. Uh, now that you said that, I went to an, a small NAI school who had just started athletics there for a while. Um, and I got really emotional. I'm really hoping that in 50 years, I don't hear my voice on a <laughs> little thing <laughs> yeah. saying how unprofessional this guy is. So um, I want to ask you kind of one more question before we'll move on to some of the fun stuff. Uh, we talked a lot about the, a little differences in the college football stuff. Um, what about some differences in the profession that you have noticed? I mean, other than the obvious over your tenure. You know, I think it's – fortunately, I think for our profession, there's been a lot of things that have carried on over the years. You know, I talked earlier mm-hmm. about the relationships. Uh, you know, it's still important to be able to write. I mean, you would be amazed how many people outside of our profession aren't good writers. You know, I, yeah. I tell people 
you know, people see what I write so quickly because we can all write a press release or, or a feature story and they're amazed, you know, uh, speaking in front of people. You know, I, I've got friends here, you know, it's just they're scared to death of public speaking. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's also important. But, um, you know, just there's so many great people in the profession. I've made so many lifelong friends through it. I'm very thankful that I've spent more than 20 years doing it and, um, you know, look forward to that continuing. But it's it's one of these things where um, it, it, the things that the SID and communication professional can do transcend over so many different areas of life. Mm-hmm that, um, you know, I think the people are really, uh, can re- there's some really great well-rounded people who've come out of it. Yeah. You're kind of a jack of all trades type of person. You just happen to be one position. So, um, yeah, I mean, cause you have to, because you're, you know, all these new things have, a lot of them have been thrown on the communications person's plate, you know, they're, you know, okay, what's the social media or video or whatever it is. Okay. Well, the SID can do that, Yeah, you know, and, um, it just, it's not realistic. Yeah. No, and you know, but it's but that's where we also have to prioritize in our business. You know, uh, sometimes it's hard to cut things, but um, you know, I think I think that like you know what the NCA has been doing with the statistical software is great because at the end of the day, hopefully somewhere down the line, that takes a lot of that work off of the SID's plate. Mm-hmm. At least that's the hope. So if that works out like they're hoping, then you know the focus can be on other things. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, we're pushing up against time here a little bit. We still got a little bit more left. So um, I'd like to ask some fun questions. I like, usually like to ask people. First sure. one I have for you, Rob, is uh, your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Uh, probably um, professionally, you know, there's been some amazing games. I've been really fortunate. Um, I've been part of the NCA Media Coordination Committee for the Final Four since 1997. Um, so that's, you know, my favorite time of year. That's always been one of my favorite memories. I've seen all four of my alma mater's national championships, UConn's national championships in person. Cool. Um, you know, but we also, I hosted as the local media coordinator, the 2014 final four, when they came through and won it as a low seed. And, um, two of my best friends from college, uh, we were fortunate as the host entity to have access to buy a couple tickets and two of my best friends came and got to see that. And, and I always enjoy, um, exposing my, our friends outside the business to our yeah. business, you know, because they don't get to see it every day. Sometimes, you know, we take it for granted, but when you're, you know, able to do that and see how excited they are, that, that really is something I love to do. Uh, just real quickly, how was your uh, tenure as the co-site of president? Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, when I first started in this business, I never thought that I would have the opportunity to do that. And I, I highly recommend to anybody, you know, even if you're not able to serve or even apply for a spot in the office of rotation, just being an at-large member of the board, which is a shorter term and less work, um, being able to give back there or even just serving on a committee, um, you know, for COSIDA. I think it's a great opportunity to not only better yourself, to give back, but also to to network and meet lots of great new people, you know, that we can all, you know, one of the great things about our field too, is we can all call on each other, you know, if something comes up and help each other, because we've all kind of been there. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, you find somebody who has, and, you know, we're always so willing to help each other. Yeah. That's what makes that's for me. That's what's uh, my favorite part about it is we're all in it together. 
and yep. nobody's trying to like throw each other under the bus. I'm also an Uber driver at night oh. and I feel like other Uber drivers try to throw me under the bus all the time. So I <laughs> like this much better. Um, if you don't have one, that's fine. Uh, biggest horror story in your profession, in your, you know, career. Uh, I don't know if it's a horror story. I mean, it was a challenging time when I, the first time the big 12 went through conference realignment, uh, you know, it was a tough time because we not, you know, didn't know if we were going to have jobs. You know, Mm -hmm. there was 30 people in the conference office who, um, you know, had no idea if our jobs were going to be in existence the following season. Um, so that, that was challenging for us, but, um, you know, came through that. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a big learning experience. Um, but you know, again, you learn and you kind of move on. I've been very fortunate where I haven't had, you know, the firsthand dealing with a, you know, a student athlete passing away or, mm-hmm. or something of that, or, or a violent crime or anything like that. So I count my blessings that I've been able to avoid that. But, you know, again, talking back to people that we know in the business, you know, I'm always quick to reach out to if somebody's going through that type of crisis and I know the SID, I'm, dropping them a text or an email saying, Hey, hang in there. Mm-hmm. You know, let me know if I can help with anything, all that kind of stuff. Because really I do think, and I've had people tell me afterwards that they appreciate those little text messages. They may not always be able to respond, but they appreciate that people are thinking about them. Yeah. Kind of puts things in perspective when you say that, I mean, it's easy for anybody out there, especially when it, when it comes to conference realignment, it's like, well, X, Y, and Z can go here. A, B, and C can go here and we can just fold the big 12. You know, but those are people's yeah. jobs. Like that's, you're right. That's absolutely scary. Well, I don't think, I, I don't blame the average fan for not thinking about the 30 people in the conference uh, office, but you know, uh, but yeah, it, it is a little bit different, you know, I mean, and I would have, you know, we had satellite trucks showing up at the office and, um, you know, I would tell the reporters like, Hey, if the commissioner comes out, you want to try to interview him perfectly, perfectly fine, you know? He's, he's, that's why he's the mm-hmm. commissioner. But when the receptionist comes out, yeah, that, you know, yeah. can you leave her alone? Uh-huh. Because for her, it's just a job, you know, and she has nothing to do with the decision as to what's going to happen. And she's just trying to go to work mm-hmm. every day, you know, and for most people who don't work in sports, you know, the salary truck is not showing up, at, you know, your job at Banana Republic. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that, you know, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? You know, I'm constantly, um, just, I, I just want to always educate myself on how to be a better leader, um, particularly for staff. I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I've got <clears throat> former interns, former students that I worked with who are in our profession, um, and, you know, just mentoring those people. Um, so I'm always looking at ways I can help with that. I've been involved in Cosidas mentorship program for since its inception. And I think that's another great thing just to, to help people, you know, and, um, you know, I could say, you know, I mean, sure. I'd love to know how to edit a video better or yeah. do a nicer social media graphic, but I also am a big believer in hiring people that know how to do that stuff and have a passion for it as part of your staff. If you can, um, if you have the resources to do it, because, I know just enough about things like social media to get the 22 year old to roll their eyes at me, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's just, um, I live in the space, but also I want their input because I think it's important. It's really important to, you know, inc- include your staff, your entire staff 
in, in your decisions. You know, um, I used to always tell our interns, at, you know, my different stops, like you're in the staff meeting and I want you to talk. You know, if you think something's a good idea or it's a bad idea, tell us why. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't do that, you're doing your university or your conference a disservice. Yeah. Um, I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but uh, work life balance. What do you do to have fun? Um, a lot of time with the kids right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I coach my son's baseball team, which I, I love. His passion for the game is amazing. Watches MLB Network every day. Um, you know, I like to travel. I like to see different areas. I've got eight states left on my 50 states list. <laughs> so I uh, got to try to get to those. But um, and and food. You know, I love eating at different restaurants. I try to avoid chains whenever possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know eat somewhere new, even if it's just a, a mom and pop place in your particular city, but they can usually do some great things. That is literally my next question. Next time somebody's in the Dallas area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Uh, you know, the good thing about Dallas is we have, I, I read somewhere at one point we had more restaurants per capita than any city in the country. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of everything here. Um, and I've searched out places, uh, you know, if you want to, it really just kind of depends on what your budget is. You want an expensive place? You want a nice steakhouse? Bob's here in Dallas is my favorite, uh, easily. Bob's Steak and Chop House. Um, but there's plenty of places that are just smaller, hole-in-the-wall places. Uh, we have lots of different areas that have great um, bars, great variety of food, and um, you, you never have to eat at the same place twice. You know, you can if you do, it's it says something. But mm -hmm. um, you can try a lot of different places here in Dallas. Uh, if anybody want to get in touch with you, I mean, follow up with you, have any questions, what'd be the best way to do it? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Rob Kroll is my Twitter handle, um, LinkedIn, um, you know, really any of the platforms, Facebook, email. I'm happy to always take emails. My email is my first initial and last name at yahoo.com. Um, you know, uh, and you know, I'm always happy to talk to people. I mean, I've had students in the past from schools call me out of the blue or email me and be like, hey, I'm doing a paper for a class. Can I talk to mm -hmm. you? And absolutely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd love to talk to you for 20 minutes or 30 minutes about the profession because I want to get young people involved in our profession. I want to, um, you know, get them excited about it like I was when I was 23 years mm -hmm. old um, because it's a great job. You know, it's, it's a great career. Um, there's a lot worse things we could be doing, um, out there than working in sports and the experiences that you get, uh, are, are just lifelong memories. And, and I, I don't think you can put a price on those. Yeah. We'd all love to make more money and I'm going to always advocate for that. But, uh, the experiences we get in our life are just great memories. You know, I was fortunate at times to be able to take my sons to different events and, you know, they think it's the greatest thing in the mm -hmm. world and you see their faces light up and it just means, means, means everything. Awesome. Well, Rob, we very much appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. No, great to do it. Happy to do it. And uh, best of luck in the coming Thanks. season.